You're listening to Festival Grass, a podcast diving into the business and culture of the music festival world. With your hosts, Mario and Shanae. Well, welcome everybody to the newscast in this week's edition. Music festivals return to Australia and New Zealand. Google acquires majority share of Burning Man. Ultra class action lawsuit forced into arbitration. Burning Man style festival in Tulum, linked with surge in COVID-19 cases in New York. But first, music festivals may not go ahead in 2021, the United Kingdom MPs warn in Parliament. So major UK music festivals, including Glastonbury, may be prevented from taking place in 2021 unless their insurance is underwritten due to COVID-19, MPs warn. Speaking in the House of Commons, Julian Knight, Conservative Chairman of the Digital Culture, Media and Sports Committee, said, The UK is the leader in the world in terms of music and arts festivals. The sector is worth £12 billion and supports many thousands of highly skilled jobs, as well as the financial lifeblood of the nation's musicians. However, there will be no festival season next year unless insurance is underwritten in case of COVID disruption. Knight called for Caroline Denage, Minister of State at the Department of Digital, Media, Culture and Sport, to meet with MPs to see how reinsurance could be put into place, noting that due to a minimum lead time of six months, the reinsurance needs to be in place now before the likes of Glastonbury Festival commit. MP Caroline Denage replied, Festivals are such a vibrant and integral part of our creative community and our economy, and I'm well aware that many will make the decisions very soon about whether they can go ahead next year, so this is a very urgent situation. There is a subgroup of my entertainment and events working group looking very specifically about how we can get festivals reopened, and in the last few weeks, I have met with representatives from festivals in Edinburgh and only yesterday from festivals on the Isle of Wight. Now, festival organizers seem optimistic that events will take place in the new year. Earlier this month, We Out Here Festival in Cambridgeshire announced the first wave lineup for its 2021 edition. And Glasgow's Playground Festival announced the artist scheduled for next year's event. In a recent interview with CNBC, Live Nation's president, Joe Birchtold, said he now sees the path to live events return with much greater clarity, noting that he feels very good about the prospect of in-person events resuming by the summer. He continued on to say, in the key U.S. Western European markets, it continues to be our expectation that by next summer, we're back with our major outdoor shows or amphitheaters here in the U.S., festivals globally. We'll be able to do those shows. Now, Birch told sentiments align with Live Nation CEO Michael Rapino's optimistic comments from earlier this summer, noting that he expects a robust outdoor summer season next year. Furthermore, Ticketmaster is already preparing by repurposing existing tech for the post-COVID world in order to make future shows safer. However, while Birch told and Rapino continue to trend towards a return to traditional in-person events by next year, Lollapalooza's co-founder Mark Geiger's outlook is far less bullish, suggesting earlier this summer that live events may not return until 2022 at the earliest. And this is on the heels of South by Southwest 
prematurely deciding to go virtual on the website, they state, due to the recent surge in COVID-19 cases, we expect that the city of Austin will continue its restrictions on large gatherings through March 2021. So it will not be possible for South by Southwest to stage a large in-person event within our usual footprint. Now, South by Southwest is going to provide a digital experience, which will take place between March 16th and 21st of 2021. The online passes will still cost 199 US dollars. And Ronald Swenson, CEO and co-founder of South by Southwest, has since released a statement regarding the online transition. The challenge of building a new future is one that we are excited to tackle. This has been such a year of change, and we, like the entire world, are reshaping our perspective on how we connect. We're pleased to be working on South by Southwest Online as part of our program for 2021. Regardless of platform, we will continue to bring together the brightest minds from creative industries worldwide. So that is the recent news there from the south of the United States and one of the earliest festivals on the schedule for the North American continent. And of course, soon after that one, about a month later is Coachella. All eyes are on Coachella. There were rumors that it was going to go forward in April, but then they retracted that as maybe having been a premature press release and they wanted to buy themselves a little bit more time to make that decision. I believe we won't see festivals commit in the United States until at the earliest, possibly late June, early July. I would take a bet that most will get pushed to the end of summer and the early fall. There's a lot in the wind here. And I think it would be smart for festivals to not commit to an earlier schedule. In Canada, our Oceaga Festival in Montreal optimistically announced headliners for the summer of 2021. On the website, they state, we are aware that we are heading into uncertain times and we have been working relentlessly behind the scenes to create the ideal circumstances for Oceaga to move forward without a hitch. Of course, we will follow all COVID-19 guidelines as they evolve and continue to update the status should anything change. But we need to plan for the future because there is a light at the end of the tunnel. If the event is canceled or postponed, Oceaga says they will notify guests of the exchange or refund guidelines and procedures to follow. All right, next up, music festivals have returned to Australia and New Zealand. Now, they are going into their summer, unlike us going into our winter. And following both nations' relative control of the pandemic, the Castaway Festival in Perth, Australia, took place last weekend, featuring electronic dance acts What's So Not and Slumberjack, while Alice in Wonderland is set to play at the show in New Zealand in a couple of weeks. So as opposed to the United States, both Australia and New Zealand have drastically smaller populations with 25 million in Australia and around 5 million in New Zealand, respectively. So although both countries had some spikes in the spring and summer, the number of cases have dropped off exponentially during the last month. Australia has seen at most 11 cases in one day since November 1st, while New Zealand only saw nine. Both countries also posted days without a single recorded case. In contrast, the United States saw 61.8 cases per 100,000 people, according to the CDC during that time. And in Canada, we are also still seeing cases rising. In the United States, most major live festivals are not expected to return until at least the fall. Although the development of a vaccine is getting those in the live events industry hopeful. Now, I will 
just make a quick comment on this before moving on. It reflects exactly what I was saying earlier in the other reports. And that is that the perception is if you cannot keep the population safe, you have to try to eliminate the obvious things that could cause more widespread disease and death. And in this situation with a pandemic, with a novel virus, the best way to do that is just not to have crowded spaces. I think concerts will come back way before music festivals will. I just don't think music festivals are going to be treated the same way because they are pop-up events, essentially, whereas concerts do function around venues and venues are at risk of going down. And there's a lot of pressure there to generate revenue for those locations. So I think those will come back sooner. And just like in the game of musical chairs, once the music stops, I believe music festivals will be the ones left in 2021 without a seat to sit on. Be sure to keep tuning in weekly for our music festival newscast and subscribe to our Deep Dives, our bi-monthly in-depth topical discussion show with interviews and guests that will bring you insight and knowledge. Link in the show notes. All right, next up, Google acquires majority share of Burning Man. So the Palo Alto company now has a controlling share over Burning Man. Just when you thought that Burning Man was quelling the over-commercialization of their beloved pop-up community, the Nevada Desert event has sold off some of its stakes to the world's largest search engine, Google. So much stake, in fact, that the tech giant now owns 51.2%, a majority holding. This means that Google will be taking over logistics and the annual running of the event. Now, if you remember, we did cover Burning Man extensively in August and September, and we were mentioning that they were running into financial difficulties and they were looking to generate around $20 million by year's end in order to be able to create the event in 2021. And this may be the answer that they were looking for. I'm not sure if it's the answer that we wanted to see. We may have preferred that the brain trust of Burning Man keep its control over the festival and the vision and the direction. Now, news around the business dealing has been rather hushed with initial reports first popping up from the website Burners Feel the Burn, who revealed that Google made the bid late on Tuesday evening, December 8th. Not even Burning Man's official news outlet, the Burning Man Journal, has disclosed any details surrounding the deal. Now, Mixmag reported that the undisclosed figure Google is to have paid is thought to be upwards of $1.2 billion, and it has described it as a real burning point for the brand. The music culture publication also reached out to Marcus Foley, Google's chief of fun and games division, over what the buyout means for how Burning Man will look like in the future. What lifetime burners certainly don't want is the sort of hyper-capitalistic playground like Coachella. But Google knows this. In a quote, we don't want to change too much about the event. We just want to complement the essence of the burn. We'll be adding our trademark Google O's as eyes for the Burning Man effigy and also renaming Robot Heart to Robot Heart. Google CEO Sergey Brin and Larry Page have been longtime attendees of BlackRock City since its inception over 30 years ago, in fact. So Google has a deep understanding for the deeply embedded communal values and principles of the burn. Still, the news sends a confusing message to the community considering how Burning Man recently cracked down on all inclusive pay-for-play camps and has generally shunned influencer and celebrity culture. So the move comes as a bit of a head-scratcher. 
granted the birth of Burning Man was born out of the Palo Alto region as a way of well-to-do tech industry workers escaping the stressors of the default world to celebrate radical inclusion, decommodification, civic responsibility, and many more of the principles that make Burning Man so special. We have covered Burning Man. I am a big fan, of course, of Burning Man. Its stage on the world is unique as a festival and as a signpost of culture. The principles do need to be upheld. And I do think that the Burning Man community is quite strong. And if anyone can assure that a new ownership really understands what the value is of the event, then I think Google will be wise to to take heed on that. Would you like to be on the show if you or someone you know is a journalist with a relevant article topic or can speak to a story we have covered? Please click or forward the guest sign up link in the show notes. We'd love to have you on. Don't be shy. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. All right, next up, ultra class action lawsuit forced into arbitration. Now, in the latest news of the ultra music festival class action lawsuit, the United States District Court in Southern Florida has ordered both parties to arbitration. An order dated November 23rd of last month provides a detailed analysis as to the reasons for this judgment. The notion is considered a win for ultra since the court sided against the ticket holders who sought to avoid arbitration. The whole fiasco started back in May when ticket holders filed a lawsuit against Ultra's refund policy. After the festival's cancellation left many ticket holders in the hole, Ultra opted to postpone the event to the following year rather than refund tickets. The general consensus is that it was a strategic move to squeeze out of a technicality which would require Ultra to issue refunds. Needless to say, some ticket holders weren't able to accept the policy and thus it was time to lawyer up. The ticket holders supported their position against arbitration with five main arguments, all of which failed to convince the court. They alleged the 2019 ticket agreement rather than the 2020 agreement should apply to their situation, and the details about arbitration were buried within a maze of fine print. They also insisted the required costs of arbitration were too expensive. The court ruled that there is no reason to believe the 2019 ticket agreement should be applied in the place of the 2020 version. The 2020 version states the filing fees for arbitration are capped at $200 for the plaintiff as well. They offered a link to the website estimating the cost of arbitration to be between $750 to $3,500, US, but they had no evidence to support how that applied to their situation. In the show notes, we've linked the legal document if you care to peruse that on your own time. What I will say is that this year has been very difficult on refunds and ticket holders and the festivals that were put in a position where they had to make some choices about where the money was going to come from if they had already spent the revenues generated pre-festival. Now, remember, festivals spend a lot of money pre-event and then make a lot of it back during the event and post-event. As a strategy, I'm not sure postponing festivals is the right approach. You have to remember that you're in a relationship 
with your ticket holders as a festival producer. And I do believe that you need to show them the respect that they deserve. You need their brand loyalty. You need to count on them returning next year and feeling good about supporting your festival. If you don't do this, it does reveal something about the way that you manage your festival, the mission statements, your motivations and your intentions, and whether profit margins are what you really only care about? Or is it the culture and the foundation that you've built and the relationship status that you continue to have with your ticket holders? I think that is where the focus should be year after year. It's just like musicians. They need the crowd is there for them. They need to honor the crowd. They can't mistreat the crowd and show up late or leave early or not respect them. They are in business because of the fans. And I think the festivals have to take the same approach. And so we've seen the circumstances force a lot of festivals to make decisions that are quite tasteless. We've just recently spoken about the festival that's going on right now, the Global Eclipse Gathering in Patagonia, South Argentina, where they were not canceling the festival. Therefore, their terms were not being violated, which meant that they did not have to refund their ticket holders. And there were there were ticket holders who were on payment plans and they were told that if they stopped paying, then that would default their ticket and they would not receive that money back. So they had to keep paying in the hopes of then maybe selling it back with a 50% loss to the festival. So just a very sad situation for a lot of people who needed that money and needed to count on that return of investment, uh, but they never got it. And finally, Burning Man Style Festival in Tulum linked with surge in COVID-19 cases in New York. So a sold out art and music festival, which took place from November 11th to 15th in Tulum, Mexico, has been linked to a rising number of COVID-19 cases in New York. A report from the Daily Beast revealed Art With Me is a Burning Man style beach festival with a program of art and wellness workshops during the day and a lineup of electronic music acts at night. This, in other words, would be considered a transformational festival. Despite the festival providing a list of recommendations on its website to help limit the spread of coronavirus, video footage from the event showed maskless crowds packed on dance floors in front of DJ booths with multiple guests and performers confirming that there was next to no mask wearing or social distancing. One attendee, who wished not to be named, told the source, there was not one mask and I got more sick than I ever did in my entire life after that party. A Danish DJ, B. Svetsen, told the Daily Beast that he had contracted COVID-19 after performing at the same festival and that he had heard of at least 17 other people who also came down with the virus after attending the party. Art With Me also appears to be linked to a rising number of positive COVID-19 cases in New York, which can be traced back to the event. I would say that 60 to 70% of my positives in the last couple of weeks in New York City have been a direct result of either people coming back from Art With Me or who have been directly exposed to someone who attended Art With Me. Eleonora Walzak, founder of private COVID testing company in New York City and Miami, told the Daily Beast. An administrator at the Hospital de Tulum in Mexico also told the source that multiple Art With Me attendees had been admitted to the hospital with COVID-19 and were primarily North and South American tourists. Now, Mexico has had over 1 million cases of COVID-19 already and over 100,000 deaths in the country at the time of this article. Now, last month, as you remember, we did cover a story about a new rapid COVID-19 testing kit designed for the live events industry 
Swallow Events, which is behind this kit, says it's the first company to offer a full rapid testing screening facility service to detect COVID-19 to event organizers throughout the UK and the rest of the world. The new service offers medicines and healthcare products, regulatory agency approved 15-minute turnaround pop-up testing facilities, which can be conducted by government and approved health professionals on any size and scale. This story just goes to prove everything I was saying earlier and the concern worldwide about festivals going forward. We do not know whether we can trust the mass congregation of partygoers to do all that's required to assure the safety of themselves and everyone else that they come in contact with. Even with these new rapid testing measures, with the possibility of vaccines, with creating bubbles where there are PCR tests and these rapid tests when you arrive to make sure you don't have any symptoms and then preventing ins and outs of the festivals. I don't think that this is going to be something that will be risked. I don't think the governments and the municipalities and the regulatory bodies are going to allow these mass festivals. What we will see first are event venues and concert halls and large-scale controllable events that have walls and fences and booths that you can funnel people through to test properly. Music festivals are a little bit too unruly, and that's a good thing. I think festivals are free. They're beautiful things. They're explosions of the fantastic, but it's very, very clear that they cannot be trusted to do the right thing. And I just don't think it is out of meanness that they're going to not be allowed to happen in some capacity in 2021. There may be some states that allow them. There may be parts of the world where they will happen, but there will be a lot that are not allowed. It's just too risky. We just need to go a little bit longer without the chance of these super spreader events, which in essence are not essential, unfortunately. They're essential to come back at some point, but we may have to live without them for a little while longer in order to preserve the safety of the general population in our world. Well, thanks everyone for joining us on another week's Festival Grasp. Make sure to subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or via your chosen podcast collector, so you'll never miss us talking into your ears again. And while you're at it, if you find value in what we are discussing, rate us on Apple Podcasts. It's like telling a friend about it, but better. And it gives us a chance in that big old world out there. I know we're just getting to know each other, but come on, show us some love. We're here for you. You're here for us. So let's do this thing. To sign up as an expert guest on the show, to leave us a question or message, or to jar tip your support, follow the appropriate links in the show notes. Be sure to keep tuning in weekly for our music festival newscast and subscribe to Deep Dives, our bi-monthly in-depth topical discussion show with interviews and guests that will bring you insight and knowledge. Link in the show notes. This podcast edited by GBA Recordings. For me, Mario. And Shanae. See you next time. Bye.